Hey, hey, friends, I'm Thea Charles, and you are listening to the Push or Pivot podcast. In this series, we discuss the path someone chooses when they are at a crossroads of their life. Do they push through the adversity or do they stop, reassess, and pivot? Our guest is Teresa Stas. Teresa is a national speaker, columnist, and CEO of Green Cactus, a live event sponsorship agency. And she shares how she learned to put her oxygen mask on first. Welcome, Teresa, to the Pusher Pivot. I'm really excited to talk with you today. I think we're going to have a really great conversation. I really hope so. I, I think... Uh... I, I think I've got some stuff to share, but I really hope that people can take something from it, either what not to do or maybe what to do. So <laughs> I'm sure we will. Sure. Um, before we get into your story, can you tell yeah. us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So uh, my name is Teresa Stass and, um, uh, and I live in California. Um, I'm married and I have three wonderful stepchildren. Um, two of them have moved on one's in the military. The other lives in Oklahoma, which is part of my story. Cause I spent 18 years of my life trying to get out of Oklahoma. Okay. Um, and then my, uh, beautiful stepdaughter decided that's where she wanted to move. So <laughs> still going back there. Um, and then, uh, and then we have a, um, a super funny and, and fun 15 year old, um, boy that lives or boy, he's just a random boy that lives with us. Um, it's a random boy. Yeah. <laughs> I've got two random boys. Here, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And um, I was just thinking today how grateful I am, um, how much fun he is, and how funny he is that he gets to that, that I get to spend my time with him. But he, and who knows, that may change in two years. Right. Um, uh, but and so he lives with us, um, and I run a um, an agency. It's a sponsorship um, uh, marketing agency for live events. So um, a lot of people who aren't familiar with live events have no idea what that is. But what we do is we connect brands to live events. So when you go to like your favorite music festival or maybe your fair or whatever, Mm -hmm. and you're like, uh, Verizon brings you, you know, or this festival brought to you by um, Nike or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, that's us. We connect those brands to those events or those really cool activations when you go out on site and you see like really cool um, interactive um, activations with your favorite brands or maybe it's Mm -hmm. one you're learning about or companies or you know that's us so we work with yeah we work with um, uh, about 30 different events um, across the U.S. mostly west coast um, because I'm based in in the west coast but Mm -hmm. so we do that, and then we also train um, events on how to secure sponsorships, how to take care of uh, managing those, and then um, an all-size events. We we mostly um, cater to like the mid-size uh, to about three hundred thousand people. Um, we we don't do your um, the Coachellas of the world because, okay. <laughs> to be honest, they have their own staff that do uh-huh. just those, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that's. That's what we do, um, and uh, I love love being able to do that. And I have um, a small team that works with me, and um, that's currently what we do. Which right now, um, coming out of this beautiful pandemic, mm-hmm. has pretty much shut our our whole um, industry down, the event industry down. But yeah. 
it's slowly starting to make its um, its way open. There's there's some stuff going on in Florida that's starting to open up slowly. So we'll be curious to see how that goes. But it has yeah, been definitely a bit of a struggle for sure. But um, <laughs> that's sort of. Um, me in a nutshell, I always say I was born and raised in Oklahoma and um, uh, and came to California by way of uh, Portland, Oregon. So, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's 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 who I am, I guess. Yeah. And when reading your bio, I know I'm sure like things like the pandemic aren't the first time you've come across a pivot or a crossroad. Um, and there was a time that you worked for a music festival? Yeah, so um, I think that's really where my story kind of um, really started. I uh, had worked in corporate America for, um, well, since I had basically graduated college and uh, I worked for CBS and then Alpha Media and I was sort of on the, so as events, um, as the sponsorship side of things were sold in, then I was in charge of making sure that they actually happened as the marketing director. So, um, we would handle like 360 events, um, and they would get sold in. And then I would, I would, uh, take charge with our team on making sure they were implemented. Mm -hmm. And in the process of doing that, I, I learned that there was a disconnect between the sales staff and the, and the, um, uh, and the, the, the production team or the people who actually had to put it together. Okay. Um, and so I started to learn that there was a, there was a sort of a disconnect and a struggle there. Um, although I had never actually sold sponsorships myself, I was just always part of the team that um, had to do it. Well, at one point I got um, asked by a festival, they, they basically recruited me and said, would you come and work for us and handle our sponsorships as well as our marketing? Okay. And I took the leap and I did it. And I'm really, truly glad I did. I've been working with them for about 10 years now. Um, but several years ago, I, um, I ended up deciding I was living in Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. And I have been dating my now husband for several years. And we decided that um, it was time for me to, one of us had to move and he had like I said, three beautiful children and he wasn't going to leave them, which I appreciate. Um, right. So I was the one who left. And when talking with the festival, they were like, okay, you can move to California, but if you do that, then you have to come out for basically three months during the, the prime festival time before leading up to it and then the event itself. Got it. And um, so you're going to have to live there. And I was like, for me, I figured it was an easy exchange um, to do that so that I would be able to spend all that other time with my, um, my husband and family. And, um, so that's what I did, which is kind of unusual. If you're in the event world, super normal. Um, they travel so much and on a normal, like for me now, a normal, um, year for me, not currently this year, obviously, <laughs> yeah. but you know, I'm, I'm traveling probably about a hundred days out of the year, probably more I'm, wow. I'm gone. So, um, and, and that's kind of light, um, in comparison to some of these others that, that do it. So for me, it wasn't that big of a deal. And it was nice because I was in one location where a lot of people who travel, uh, especially for these kinds of jobs have to do it. And they're in different places every week. Right. So for me, I was like, okay, I can set up a little place. 
um, in that particular year, I wasn't, it wasn't like that was the first time I had to be away from them. It was actually my second, I think it was the second summer I had done that. Um, but I had that, uh, so I, I moved um, away knowing, knowing that I would be gone for three months, had a little, um, I had rented a room from um, a coworker of mine mm -hmm. who was living with, he had a full family and everything. So it wasn't like um, I was in, you know, somebody's, but they had like, they had like a uh, loft room. So they rented okay. the room out to me to be um, helpful, which was, which was really nice. And I rented it. Um, and so I was staying there and I say rented lightly. They were very nice. They didn't charge me that much. Um, <laughs> and they were also working with the festival. They were, they were volunteers at the festival at the time. Um, and, uh, I was there and I was away from, uh, my family and, and some other circumstances popped up and this is always the case, you know, um, I, my family still lives in Oklahoma mm -hmm. and my grandmother, who I'm very, very close to, um, got, um, very ill and ended up having to move in with my parents unexpectedly. And they weren't expecting really for her to recover. And it was, it was really, that part was really hard on me. Um, mm -hmm. And then my uncle, um, and this is kind of a side note, but my, it's, it was only my mother, my uncle and my grandmother, the three of them, um, because my uh, grandfather had died when my mom was like 13. So it was just the three of them. Okay. They were, they were the last ones really yeah. left in the family, small, tiny family. And so my yeah. uncle was dying of cancer and my grandmother was um was sort of you know going through what you do when you're like in your 80s um and so she was struggling so my poor mother was dealing with both her only two wow. real family members um and this was all happening in oklahoma and i just felt incredibly uh disconnected from it and i wasn't i had so much pressure on me to sort of um i felt like i wasn't helping or mm -hmm. being a part of that and um, so that was going on in Oklahoma. Then I was missing my family because I wasn't with my family. I didn't have that support yeah. that I was, you know, most people would have or hope to have. Um, so I wasn't there. And then I was uh, during the festival was going through some, some changes and, uh, there was a lot of, um, I was just really struggling with keeping up on all on the workload. Um, we had a lot of work and anyone who's worked in an event and for an event that large that that event has 60,000 people over three days and and we're dealing with very big names um so it was uh it was a lot and i think that a, what a lot of people don't realize and it took me a long time to do that is when you start to go through stuff like that especially i find this with women is that you don't um, realize it actually. Yeah. You take the pieces um, individually and you don't look at them as sort of a whole. And all the stuff was kind of happening to me and I was trying to manage it um, individually and I didn't really see the impact it was having. And, and on top of that, for someone like me who is, I'm kind of an introverted. I mean, I, I like to talk to people. I like to socialize, but for me, I can't do it for very long. And then yeah. I start to feel this sort of exhaustion. So, mm -hmm. and I don't even realize that that's what's happening to me, but, um, as I've gotten older, I've really been able to recognize that. And so my personal time to me is incredibly important. So then you put on top of all of that, that I'm not even living in my own home. I'm living mm -hmm. in somebody else's place where I don't feel comfortable and it's not their fault. It's yeah. just sort of me as I didn't feel comfortable 
you know, using their kitchen and their fridge because they were a, a full family with kids mm-hmm. and the whole thing, you know, and um, I was sharing a bathroom and it was just a, a, a situation for me where it was hard for me. So what I was doing is spending a lot more time at work and, um, and it was coming out of me and I didn't even realize it. It was getting to the point where I was becoming very difficult mm-hmm. for um, work to even interact with me. There was a point where my boss pulled me in and was like, what is going on? And I actually, instead of, she was actually reaching out, like, what is something is not right. You're not pulling it together. And she was actually reaching out as, is trying to help me, but I became incredibly defensive and instead mm-hmm. was getting very angry. Like I'm doing all of this, I'm giving up all of this and you have, you know, and you're not appreciating in the work I'm doing. And that's, and that's not really now looking at it. That's not where she was coming from. She was right. coming from a state of like, what can we do to help you pull this together? Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was getting to the point where like, I would find myself in our, like I had a closet in my office and I'd be in the closet crying because Mm -hmm. I, because I would just fall apart on stuff and I couldn't, Mm -hmm. I mean, it all made sense. Like I knew logically that this is a lot to handle. I'm taking on a lot right now. And that's why I was doing that. But I also didn't recognize that, you know, that I maybe needed some help in a way that I hadn't um, you know, that I was having an issue with depression and that mm-hmm. I probably was having some panic problems because I had never had the panic stuff. That was never right. anything I had ever dealt with. Um, so it was kind of a weird, it was something I couldn't, I didn't recognize for myself. And I sort of, tr- you know, trugged along. I kept going and then the, the festival came about. Mm-hmm. And, um, part of my job was doing all the, doing a lot of the interviews, organizing those interviews and the television appearances and things like that. And I was backstage doing, giving an interview to, um, a newspaper and in the middle of the interview, I just, I passed out oh, wow. and I, I, <laughs> it was really crazy. And I woke up and I, and I, and I do tell the story cause I, um, I'll do some talks for women's conferences, but uh-huh. I woke up and I was laying on the ground. There was all these people around me and there was this, uh, they had moved a cover over me. So for a few minutes, I didn't know what the, I just did not know what the heck had happened. I was really confused. Um, but then when I realized what had happened, they were like, okay, we need to, you know, let's do fluids and all this kind of stuff. And in my, the first thing I thought was, well, who's going to take over the interviews? Who's going to do, it was all Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. who's going to handle this stuff. And it wasn't about what just happened. My, my body is trying to tell me something. Right. And I, it wasn't about that. And I wish I could tell you that, you know, I looked up and the clouds parted and it was this big aha moment, but it wasn't at all. It still dragged on like that for probably six months to a year before I really got a grip on um, what it was that I needed to do because I was, I was like physically falling apart. I mean, I had lost a ton of weight because I wasn't eating right. Right. And which, I mean, this is terrible to say, I wish I could have kept it off, but, (laughs) um, but I, um, you know, it was done in a really fast um, I wasn't in a good mental state at all. When I passed out like that, I ended up giving myself whiplash, which oh I still goodness. have neck issues to this day because of wow. it. Um, 
and so it was, it's just a lot, it was a lot there. And, um, it took a while actually. And that I had never, I had had my first panic attack too the night before, and I had never had one of those before. So I physically thought I needed to be at the hospital. Like that night I was, I couldn't breathe. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, something's going wrong. I, I did. I thought something was actually wrong. Right. Um, and that's when I realized what it is. And, it, and, um, they're really scary if you haven't had one before. And the thing about, um, having something like that or having, um, anxiety, it's really hard to explain to people. And I, mm-hmm. I hate to, um, I really hate to minimize the, it because my husband, um, would have anxiety and I, in my mentally, I was like, oh my God, just get over it. Like, mm. what is the deal? You know, I just, I did not grasp what, it, what it's like. And so for those who don't, it's really, it's like your head gets caught in a loop and you can't talk yourself out of the loop. And so you start to have this weird, like, um, you sort of generate this panic of yourself for yourself because you're caught in this loop of like, well, what if I can't do this? And what if I can't do this, but then I can't do this. And what if I, and it's hard to pull yourself out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what was happening. And I'd never had it happen before. Um, and so it was, and then you start to, you'll have a lot of physical rate. Sometimes you can have physical reactions to it. And, uh, I, and I feel horrible now because when that happens to him, you know, I, I feel that I feel really guilty about the way that I would react because I'm like, Oh my gosh, why are you worrying? Cause the, you know, the rule is worrying is, is just a waste of energy because you can't really, you know, change the future and, right. and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it's sort of a, you know, it's, well, it's, it's a mental condition that it's, it's hard for people to get out of. But if, you know, um, the first step I took honestly is after about a year I, um, I started, I started to see a therapist. My mother really urged me to like, you know, you got to walk, you got to talk through this stuff. And, and, um, and so I did, I started seeing a therapist and, um, I started to realize that that wasn't what I wanted to do. The working, you know, directly for the event and not really getting to grow. Cause I was sort of at the height of, uh, that I was going to get. And, that was a little bit a part of it. I felt like I didn't have any kind of control and I had other events that had an interest in the work that I do. And, but I didn't really want to go and do that same thing, but for another event. And Mm -hmm. I was having a little bit of a struggle, what it, what it was overall that I was trying to get to. And uh, once I started working that out, um, what I had real, the first thing I'd realized is if I'm going to do this ever again, I have to find my own place. That was the first thing mm-hmm. because I think having my own space would have really helped, um, limit some of the anxiety because that's, I know that that's how I function. Mm-hmm. And so being more aware of how I work, um, and knowing that if I have my own space and my own place to sort of unwind and my own, you know, then I would work better. So that was part of, um, I had sort of realized a few things and had made some decisions and this is how I was going to do. And I was going to make sure that whatever I did put me first. Yeah. And, um, 
which for a lot of people is kind of counterintuitive. Um, I know for me, I like to help people, but I became really selfish. I'm not going to lie. Um, so uh, there were certain things I was going to do. And if I couldn't do it that way, I wasn't going to do it. And uh, because I just never wanted to go back to that. Never. And, you know, so I started talking to my therapist and then I started um, working out the things that were going to make things better for me. And in the midst of doing all of that, I was like, I decided that I was going to try to go into business for myself. And I didn't really think it was going to be that big. I figured I'd have maybe a couple of clients and I would call it good. Um, and then it, but it went really fast. So, oh, wow. um, I wasn't expecting, which is great. I'm really, uh -huh. I was really, you know, I, I'm very happy with the success we had, but that became its own kind of problem because when you grow, when you're not expecting to, and you have this, this, the pains of trying to upscale in a, in a faster yeah. capacity, you know, then you have to hire people. And then it's like, do you need, you know, then you got to have the capital to move that up. And mm -hmm. so you start to grow faster than you plan. And so that became kind of, um, and itself its own challenge, which, you know, um, interestingly enough, I was very, very upset when the whole, um, COVID thing happened and mm -hmm. is happening, um, because I sort of saw all of my hard work just, and, and I'm not the only one, there's so many businesses out there who had to deal with this, but you just saw it all kind of just go away and it just, it just went away and there was nothing there was, I had absolutely no control over it. It was all gone. And it, and, uh, and I can't lie. I probably spent two, maybe three weeks in, mm -hmm. you know, in a corner crying, watching Netflix, um, and eating my feelings, um, before I realized, okay, you have to take this, you have to pull this together. This is what, um, uh, this is, this is a time um, to slow down and figure out what your next move is going to be. Exactly. And, it, and it took a long, I mean, it took a while too, to figure that part out. Um, but I will say that going through what I went through before really helped me to realize that I can get there. And sometimes you forget, you forget yeah. what you've done before. Mm -hmm. um, and so I always, I, I suggest um, that if you get into that situation that you try to write down how you know that you'll get through the next situation. That's and awesome. I knew that I could because I'd done it before. Um, and it was almost kind of weird too, because I was so, I, I had just, I was talking to my mom the month before, about the month before the COVID stuff started to come into light. And I was like, I just feel, I feel it was a way different. I have to explain this. It was okay. way different than what I had gone through because what I had gone through felt like there was so much out of my control and everything was, I felt like it was all happening to me instead of me facilitating it, which is mm -hmm. life in general. And I had a hard time pulling myself away and figuring out how to adjust and how to cope with it and all that kind of stuff, which is things that I was working on when I was, you know, in my therapy and working on actively trying to um, make myself happier and, and better myself. But this time around um, the expansion and the success that we were happy having with the company was all stuff that I had worked towards, mm -hmm. but I was feeling overwhelmed by the momentum of like, Oh gosh, I kind of thought it was going to be 
I thought where we were at in three years was where we were going to be at in like five or six years. Right. So the momentum of it is great and, and success is great, but it is, it can, it can be overwhelming when you're not prepared to take that part on. And so I was telling my mom, man, I wish we could just like slow down just a little bit so I could just pull it together. And then this comes about and, you know, and my mom's yep. like, well, remember when you said you wish you could slow it down? I'm like, well, that's not, I didn't mean like a screeching halt, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it did kind of, after I sort of got past it, it did circle back. And I was like, okay, now what are the things that I knew that I wanted to do or that we wanted to get done that we can now do? Yeah. Um, and, and one of the things I realized is I haven't had a summer in 15 years. Oh, like I have not been able to do anything for like 4th of July and like, yeah, I'm like it's almost been 15 years. I have yeah. missed my stepson's birthday for like the last seven years because I've always had to work um, the festivals in the summertime. So yeah, summertime. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I'm grateful for the work and I understand that that's the, the nature of the job, but I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even know. I don't even know what I'm going to do. <laughs> so. I know this force break has, uh, has been eye opening for everyone. Yeah. Like even some of the things that you were saying about your initial story about being in that right. festival, it's, I can see how so much of that can relate to people right now. Like right now, right. you know, like travel's restricted. I know for myself, I have a, a family, a lot of my family lives overseas and yeah. I have someone who just had surgery and I can't visit and you feel so yeah. helpless, you know? Absolutely. And also I really, I also resonated with how you're talking about realizing where you get your energy from, that you weren't someone that you're more introverted than you, than you thought. And yes. that's, that's something that I can relate to when I go on trips with like business trips with people. Yeah. I realize at the end of that week, I only go for a week now, not months right. like you, but at but the still, end of that week, I'm exhausted. Like, yes. I thought yes. I liked people, but maybe I really need a break. And it's really, I think, especially for women to realize where you get your energy from yeah. and taking care of yourself and that it's okay. It's okay to say to a group of friends, you know what? I kind of need to go back to my room. Yes. Or, you know, like, yeah. Or, myself and I, I don't know why but it's it's really hard for us it's really hard but it's always good when you hear someone else telling their story and realizing you know, you know what it's all right yeah it, it definitely and you I think as you get older too and and I hope so that you for me I started to learn the things simple little things that, that will start to make these kinds of you know this kind of stuff easier on me and to to make me recover from this because that was, you know, when I traveled, um, and that's a question a lot I get sometimes is like, when you travel that much, like, how do you, you know, it, do you have travel tips and things like that? Mm -hmm. And for me, um, because the majority of my travel isn't for pleasure, um, you know, I start to look at like the energy that it takes to travel. Like, and it's, it doesn't start just when you, it's like, then you've got to pack, then you have to, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. So like, for me, I have a, um, I pretty much have my bag already packed. I have a set of, you know, my toiletries that are already packed. I, so I have yeah. two sets of everything so that I don't have to um, fight that fight every time because people who go on vacation, you know, you know, they'll spend like two hours or three hours packing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and so there's a lot there, but that's because it's a whole thing. It's a, it's, you're looking forward to it. It's a whole, mm -hmm. um, you know, and then, it, and it's stupid things like, you know, I, I travel with 
with the the toiletries that are they they're the brands that I love they're the ones that may be more expensive you know I don't Mm -hmm. do the little you know pert plus and a travel kit like I will buy the ones that are important to me I even travel like a like a plug-in, you know, oil diffuser that a friend of mine gave me because oh, awesome. having that stuff, you know, by my bed and everything mm-hmm. seems kind of stupid, but those things help me to, and, and just like you said, I, you know, I call it quits at a certain time and, and, uh, um, I don't, you know, I don't turn it into a going out every night or anything like that, like it for me. And, and I also stopped doing this whole, like when I travel, because when I travel, usually it's to see clients and, mm-hmm. and um, have a lot of meetings. And I was doing this thing where I was like meeting and then trying to get regular work done. And then, you know, and it, it wasn't, mm-hmm. I would come back worse off than when I left. So it became a deal where like, okay, if I'm at work doing meetings and the regular work is going to, you know, it gets put on pause. I had to start putting restrictions on, on stuff, or I'm only going to travel from Monday to Friday because yeah. I will spend my weekends at home. And, and there's just, you know, I, yes, I have that luxury too. I've worked mm-hmm. to the point where I can do that kind of thing, but. Um, but when it's, you can afford to do it, it's so important to do right. Yeah. You know, because have, even the work that you do do during that Monday through Friday is going to be a lot better than if you worked the mm-hmm. entire yes. weekend. Absolutely. <laughs> I did the Absolutely. same thing just with the podcast. You know, yeah. For a while, it was like, oh, everyone wants to have an interview, but I had to remember my own energy. Like, yes. I, can't, I can't give of myself and be a good listener or good whatever it is I need to be for that person if I'm emotionally drained. Right. And you want to provide a quality product. And it's like, yeah, I can cram, you know, I could cram 50 interviews in a week, but how good are those actually going to be? Or, you know, what's the value of those? And, oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, I think the biggest thing for women is we have to learn how to put boundaries um, because, and, and I don't want to speak in generalities because Mm -hmm. I'm sure that there are men who have, but I find that men, especially ones that I work with have no problem with providing their boundaries. And as women, we have a hard time, even in our own personal lives, even with our families, even with our kids, you know, it's like, I have to put them, I I have to put them even at home. And, um, and I think once I started doing that, um, and I kind of became selfish, that's my, I became happier and I still, I still work on it. I mean, oh my gosh, this pandemic has been a struggle for me for sure. Um, but once I put those on for myself, then, um, uh, then I, then I started to, to learn how to develop that. And, and, uh, I think that that's the most, that's a really important thing for women to realize is that doing boundaries are really and spending the time to figure out what is going to work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a little trial and error too. Yeah. And I think it's also a good mirror for your children. Mm-hmm. If you you know, if you're always pouring into them, I mean, that's great, but right. when they're older, are they going to feel like they need to always be pouring of themselves rather than filling their cup first? Yeah. Yeah. I think about that with my own kids. Like, well, I, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. You know, and I have girlfriends who struggle with even, even my husband, because my husband works for a record label and he travels a tremendous amount because he's mm-hmm. on tour and stuff. And mm-hmm. Um, and he has all this guilt about being gone 
and um, I'm, and I used to have guilt about being gone, but then I started, I, I just had to release it because, you know, I was raised by two working parents mm-hmm. um, who worked a tremendous amount and I don't look at it as, as an adult now. I don't, I don't look at that and think, oh my gosh, I, they should have been home to give mm-hmm. me my snack and all that. What I look at is that I had two parents who worked really hard to provide for their family and to have the success that they have now. And, um, I mean, I, I had a really strong role model, um, as a mother who worked because she was, she was a breadwinner because my dad was starting his business. And, um, I don't know. And I think that those things didn't, uh, I think they only helped me um, mm-hmm. in the way that I manage and the way that I work. They didn't hurt me. And not to say that not, you know, having uh, a mother at home is, it, it's so funny because she was home when my sister, I have two sisters in there. Mm-hmm. They're quite a bit different in age. And, and my youngest sister has a whole different experience than me because right. I grew up as the oldest watching my mother work. And she, she grew up with my mother being at home. Mm. And it's a completely different, which is kind of funny because now she's, she, she does hair and stuff, but she works primarily at home. So it's kind of a funny uh, dynamic. I think there's roles in all different ways, but I can't carry guilt for working and not being at home. I can't do that because I think raising, uh, being a successful and happy person, whatever that looks like to you, mm-hmm. is just as valuable to your ch- children and letting them see how they can, you know, how they can become a fulfilled and happy and successful person, whatever that looks like to them. Yeah. And just to, to mirror what you just said, looking for your happiness and success as what you define it, not necessarily yeah. what someone else oh, defines it as. Definitely. That's the other thing I had to let go of because, man, do we really do live and, and, and I don't even think people realize it. Um, even I find myself doing stuff sometimes. And then I'm like, why am I, why, why did I do that? Or why am I moving in that direction? Or why did I say yes to this? And it's because we have this sort of ideal of what we should be doing. And, and it may be based in what our family, how we were raised, it may be based in the success that we've seen, or maybe based in that, we feel like we should do better than those, you know, um, before right. us. It just, it, it comes from all different aspects, but there's a lot of times we move in directions because we feel this sort of pressure that we have for on ourselves that that's what we should be doing. Yeah. Um, and it's not necessarily the case. It's, mm-hmm. you know, you have to really move in the direction that you think that, that you want to, to yeah. do. And so it's, I don't know, it's kind of a, um, it, it's a, I think it's, I think part of that is just, is just growing as a person and also age. I think age yeah. makes a lot of difference. Age does help. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. Like you start to care less what others think the older you get. Yeah. Well, I think you start to see what's really important Yeah. and, and then you can like look at yourself and be like, well, is this really important for me? Like yeah. what is it that I want to do? Yeah. Is this worth, you know, giving what, giving up stuff or giving mm-hmm. up the, the importance of, of what you're doing in, in your life and what are your values and what are yeah. you, what are you trying to achieve? And, and it may not be some big major thing. You, you, you know, you're not, everybody has to accomplish some big feat or have, mm-hmm. you know, their story 
written in a book, um, you know, having a life that's happy with your family could be exactly everything you wanted, you know? So it just kind of depends. Yeah, it definitely does. This has been such a lovely conversation. And I think that I and I know at the beginning you said I hope someone gets something from it. I know someone will get something from this. <laughs> oh, this good. Has been so good and so relatable and and you painted a such a beautiful picture in, in being able to how to how to have empathy for other people and how to have, you know, grace for yourself. Yeah, grace is a big thing that that we all we all can be reminded of. Yes, uh, daily. Daily. Like minute sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, probably gonna need it in an hour here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're like, what did Teresa say? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Teresa, if you could give someone a takeaway, one piece of advice, what would that be? I it's simple, but I always say you have to put your oxygen mask on first before assisting others. That is yeah. my biggest piece of advice and the and the really funny thing about that is when they when they tell you that on a plane the reason why they tell you that you have to, you know, to put your oxygen mask on first is because it is very counterintuitive to all of us. Yes. It is not an easy, like most people, if they were sitting next to, unless you're just a complete psychopath, if you were sitting <laughs> next to someone, um, you know, or a child or anyone who's struggling, um, most of us help want to help that person next to us. Um, but you have to make sure that you're helping yourself. Um, you have to put that oxygen mask on first. So that's my biggest, um, takeaway that I've learned through all this. Oh, that's beautiful. Once again, another beautiful picture. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. How can people find out more about you? Yeah, of course. So, um, I, my company is Green Cactus and it's spelled just like that, Green, G-R-E-E-N-C-A-C-T-U-S. And our website is greencactusca, like California, dot com. And um, that's everything you could possibly ever want about, know about how to do sponsorships for your event. But in there is a contact, you can contact me, ask any questions. Um, We also have, that's the same for both of our Facebook and Instagram handles. And then I'm on Instagram as well as uh, Teresa Stas, T-E-R-E-S-A-S-T-A-S. And um, yeah, just, uh, you know, feel free to reach out, follow, like, whatever. Um, you know, we, we love to engage. And uh, let me know if you have any questions or if I can provide any service to anyone. All right. And yeah, we'll definitely have your website in the show notes Perfect. so anyone can find a quick link. Yay. And Teresa, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Oh, it's really awesome. Thank you for awesome. talking to me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. What did you take away from Teresa's story? What's one step you can take to start to put yourself first? I'm Thea Charles, and I hope you gain insight from this story and that you'll share this podcast with a friend. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review The Pusher Pivot on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast platform. To stay up to date on The Pusher Pivot and to join our mailing list, visit us on the web at pusherpivot.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Pusher Pivot. Thank you for listening and join me next time on The Push or Pivot Podcast.